Kelly's Taboo Terrors presents Disturbing Films for a Curious Mind. episode of Disturbing Films for a Curious Mind. I managed to convince Jess to join me once again to dip her toes into the extreme horror world and watch some movies with me, or at least attempt to. We'll see how far she got. So today's film is one that was seized by German authorities 12 days after being released, and that is Necromantic 2 by Jörg Butgeret. I have written about his first feature film, Necromantic, from 1987, and referenced him in my article called The Sixth Sense. He is a favorite of mine in extreme horror, with Necromantic being in my top five taboo films. The synopsis for Necromantic 2 is as follows. Monica is a beautiful necrophiliac who lives alone in Berlin. By day, she works as a nurse. By night, she prowls through cemeteries while searching for fresh corpses. When she reads about the suicide of Rob, our protagonist from Necromantic 1, she finds his grave to dig up his body and brings it home. Mark's live across town and makes his living dubbing sex films. After meeting Monica, romance blossoms and they fall in love. But all is not well in Monica's world. Her relationship with Mark begins to falter and she has to make a final choice between loving the living or loving the dead. So we literally just finished Necromantic 2. And so Jess, (laughs) what is your initial gut reaction? What the actual fuck? That is my initial gut reaction. (laughs) That was my initial reaction after we watched the film, especially after, spoiler alert, when they come on, they're like, you're pregnant. What? (laughs) (laughs) I'm definitely jumping ahead. That, I think that was just like the, like the catalyst of like the what the fuck moments that happened throughout this movie. From the moment it started to the very end, I was just like big what the fucks across my head the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually forgot that the opening scene of Necromantic 2 is the ending scene of Necromantic 1. So I thought, oh man, Jess is in for a real treat. If she even survives the opening scene, I think... That we're oh gonna be God. good. So Jess made it through the whole film, folks, yes. and I was very Everyone, surprised. I made and it happy. through the whole film, um, and I'm super curious to Kelly to wonder what point she thought I was gonna tap out at. So the point that I thought you're gonna tap out at was the the seal autopsy. Almost okay. So you're right. I was almost because I was getting very uncomfortable with. I'm like, oh, I don't want to watch a real autopsy of a real animal. This is really upsetting. No, but then I'm just like, yeah. I but I stuck. Th- through it because I'm just like why why is this group of women watching this and what's happening here like mm-hmm. I needed to figure out what was happening mm-hmm. in the scene and then of course yeah. when she shows it to Mark her new partner like clearly that was a test for her to see if he would be into it and like totally mm-hmm. he wasn't into it at all especially because like especially <laughs> because there's, there's such a focus around food in this film as well like if you can be mm-hmm. comfortable drinking yep. a glass of milk or eating breakfast or like you know, and the women, like, as they're watching the autopsy, they're all eating their little weird white bread, cheese, and tomato appetizer. <laughs> it's very And it's European. very, like, yes. they're all like, you know, this is totally normal. Like, they're normalizing it. You know, they're like, yeah, we can still keep eating our food and enjoying watching this and not be weirded out. But, like, when Mark yeah. was, like, puts the food in his mouth and realizes, he's like, oh, God, no, I can't. I can't. And then she's just like, yeah, this is not going to work. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Mark. (laughs) It's over. Yeah, I feel like Mark's reaction to the whole situation was quite 
quote normal. Yes, yes, because the entire time I'm sitting here being like, oh God, I feel like my dinner is going to come back up. I should not have had pea soup before dinner, before this. (laughs) Absolutely. So what, before coming into this, what did you know about the necromantic films? Because necromantic one and two are actually quite infamous in the extreme horror well, world. I, I, obviously, I only knew about these films through you, Kelly, because you talk yeah. about them so often and they're one of your favorite films. <laughs> the funny thing is, is yeah, I never knew what happened in Necromantic 2. The, I knew what happened in Necromantic 1 from reading your first Taboo Terrors piece about yeah. it. So, honestly, like, when I was watching it, I'm just like, okay, I'm waiting for, like, this steel rod up the dick scene type thing. Like, when is, when is that going to happen? Yeah. That didn't happen, which I was grateful. <laughs> I don't think I could have. I don't think I could have handled seeing something like that. I was like, nope, nope, because like even when this first started, and you were like, oh my god, it's starting with the ending from the first one. I'm like, oh, okay, you know, he's 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 gonna he's okay. He's trying to kill himself. Okay, he's trying to jerk off while killing himself. Okay, that's what get him off. I did not expect to see the fully erect penis. Like I even missed it at first because I was so focused on watching him trying to stab himself that I'm like, is this guy gonna do it? Is he yeah. really gonna? do it and then I was just like okay like I, I and then all of a sudden I, I, I just kind of scanned down the screen and saw like the fully erect penis I was like oh my god what is that <laughs> <laughs> and then it just went from there <laughs> I was like oh <laughs> yes yes so have you ever watched a movie about necrophilia no before, obviously not <laughs> I think maybe no. I think God. maybe the closest I've ever got to is May when she makes her own doll from all the dead. Mm. But even then, like as we were watching Necromantic Two, I was like telling you how like you know when I was a like years and years ago with like my first girlfriend, she wanted to watch May and she told me the premise of the movie <laughs> and I tried and I was like no, I can't, I can't do that. Like just the thought of her having you know dead body stuff around and stuff like that and getting off from it just made me feel very uncomfortable. Now I obviously I've seen May, you know, and I was like oh cool okay yes. like it's not that bad but no this is this is my this, this is really my first <laughs> so I always like to hype things up send you videos and gifts and photos yeah. like was it as bad as you thought it was going to be like well I mean you made it all the way through so that's good um but yeah did you find <clears> it like worse than what your imagination built it up to be or I think I, I think I built it up to be worse than I thought it would be because like yeah I was mm-hmm. feeling like anxious and nervous and stuff like that just waiting for this to start but I was like okay the one thing that is keeping me in and curious is that it's European and Mm. I sometimes really like how European films take things in the sense of the directions or you know like even like the the weird the weird scene where they're sitting in the cinema together and they're watching that movie of the two naked people eating eggs and talking about birds and I was like what is happening and so like and so I was like okay so like it's not but it's gonna be weird interesting and that and granted too Mm -hmm. they've also have a tendency to go out there and that's why I'm like I'm almost thinking that I could not handle necromantic one because even just alone Mm. when you described that in your taboo terrorist at one scene and then I was like hoping that a scene like that wouldn't happen in this movie so the rabbit scene do you mean the steel rod scene 
Oh, okay. Um, both films are, though they deal with like romance and sexuality with, you know, with necrophilia involved. Mm-hmm. They're very different films. The first one is very gritty. It's kind of just filmed a bit differently. It's yeah. grosser. It's more tangible. Yeah. Like it's, I can like smell their apartment and I can just like feel everything that's happening. This one is a much cleaner mm-hmm. looking film. Sterile and almost. Even though I think, yeah. Absolutely. Maybe it's because she's a nurse. She's very clinical. She's very medical. And she has nobody. I'll get in. Okay. I'm going to hold on Monica because I think she is a fascinating character. So yeah. So both films. This one's like a lot cleaner. Mm -hmm. The first one's just like a bit more volatile because there's two people in a relationship that both are enjoying necrophilia together. Like that's where you get your menage a trois with the corpse. And it's like there are two people that are able to share their, well, desires or sexual desires for corpses together, whereas Monica is, you know, kind of solo. She, except for her friends that seem to be okay with Mm -hmm. death and discussing death and exploring death with her, you know, but she doesn't seem to have like a partner, a romantic partner, a lover to share this Mm -hmm. with. So it's very different character stories. And I feel like they're, they are quite character driven and people might not realize about these films and watching Necromantic to tonight really showed me how character driven the story actually is. And it's so interesting. So maybe you should talk about Monica. Yeah, no, <laughs> I I've definitely because like even like I even said at the end of the film, like the main climax mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I'm just like, you can't blame her for knowing what she wants. Like, good on you, Monica. Yeah. Like, you know, you're a strong, independent woman who's just like, mm, no, I kind of know what I want. And this is what I want. So I'm going to take that. And Especially, like, you know, we were talking about uh, at one point I mentioned in the movie where he's in the bar, like, getting drunk and being all, like, despondent about his girlfriend being, like, you know, Mm -hmm. weird that, oh, she doesn't like me to move during sex and stuff like that. I'm just like, oh, (laughs) so you have an issue with a woman being in control and knowing what she wants? Like, she's Mm -hmm. not your typical, Mm -hmm. you know, flaky ex-girlfriend who's like, oh, I'm late and oh, you know, let's see that, like, Monica knows what she wants Mm -hmm. and she will, and she will say it and she'll do what she wants to get that. Yeah, she's totally, she's so, so totally interesting. Um, Yeah, I mean, she's a nurse, she's got a career, she's got her apartment, she lives alone. Mm -hmm. And you see her struggle with trying to maintain this, quote, normal relationship. Mm -hmm. And then she shows some vulnerability and opening up to him with little things like um, showing pictures of her family. All dead pictures. (laughs) Funeral photos, death photography. Like, she's obviously showing him that she has an interest and fascination with death. When you even first walk into her apartment when she's bringing the corpse in. She has x-rays up on like an x-ray viewer. She's got skull photos. She's got her, there's like tons of symbolism in this movie. It's just like, it's rife with it. Which is like beyond probably the scope of what we'll talk about today. But there's so much in this movie and there's a lot in the first one too. But she's, you see her struggle to maintain that normal relationship in that like inner turmoil. She has a drink and she's like, okay, I'm going to try to get rid of this corpse. Mm -hmm. Like, this is it. I'm going to try this relationship with this man. I'm going to, I feel like it's like she's going to try it again. And this is like her last ditch effort to try to maintain a normal relationship while still having this quote, bizarre, you know, sexual fetish. Yeah. And yeah. it obviously doesn't go well. And she goes to the beach and you know, <laughs> has that big internal, like internal monologue. Faith. Like, yeah, I need to. Yep, exactly. And she chooses 
the dead over the living. And I just find that so fascinating. You know, the the blending, the blending of sexuality and, and death. And I feel like a lot of people say that horror does that a lot. And whenever I've watched horror, like non-extreme horror, I can kind of see where they're go- getting that from. But... This is really where you're getting that dichotomy. Yeah, I could I could definitely tell that. And it's really interesting that how it ends, like is how she ends up so she ends up choosing the dead, but then it ends with her getting pregnant and bringing in a life. How do you deal with yes. that? Like, right? Like Yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't know how I deal with that. And how does she do with yeah. that? I don't know. Maybe she aborts, maybe she keeps it. She's gonna carry on her necrophiliac, you know, genes. I don't I don't know. <laughs> So it was interesting how you were talking about, like, she has this fascination with death, right? Like, we saw it throughout Mm -hmm. the entirety of the movie. And it's so interesting how typically when there are people who have, like, a fascination with death, we know them as they show it. Like, they're very outward about it in the sense of the way they dress, the way they talk, the things they listen to. Like, you know, people talk about, like, goss and metalheads and, like, horror fans. Like, you're obsessed with death. And we, you know, show it. But, like, what's interesting is that she looks normal to her mark. She just looks like a normal pretty blonde young woman and stuff like that you know and so when it's like revealed that she has these weird odd like quirks and idiosyncrasies and Mm -hmm. stuff like that he's like I can't handle this like she just looks so normal she's so gorgeous and beautiful but yet I feel like she wants to fuck me when I'm dead like you know like he's like and that's not normal right so he's having like this internal like dialogue this internal back and forth being like she looks normal but she's not normal like what is happening absolutely both are struggling with her identity she's struggling with it he's struggling with it hey maybe if he would have went along with it a bit it would have been fine but maybe not you know yeah There's there's symbolism too in in the first movie because there's a lot that carries on mm-hmm. to this one of and we brought up the the seal autopsy because in the first one there's footage of again it's stock mm-hmm. footage not made for this movie but of a rabbit farm and a rabbit being killed and skinned mm-hmm. for fur no. and meat uh. and like it's awful yeah. and like I can never watch that one because the animal but again in this one too they show you they're like hey look at these seals they're really green oh, and I, I know and right look at them alive and like boom they're dead and so they do that in the first one too and I and I feel like it's just like this juxtaposition of death of animals death of people we're all the same we're all animals so what's really the difference when you're watching either one but like yeah like when you were telling me you're like oh that's an autopsy and i'm like that's not an autopsy it's like they're butchering that animal like that's not (laughs) yeah well for well well, for me as a vegan i was grossed out the entirety of the movie not just obviously with the necrophilia aspect of it but like the scene (laughs) where she's drinking the glass of milk i'm just like oh gross the scene where they're eating the eggs i'm just like oh gross like all of this eggs in this you know cheese and just like you know and then of course like the the seal being like and i was like no this is not no i'm not like i'm not always being like oh there's a lot this movie's not (laughs) vegan friendly but at the same time too though it reminded me why i'm vegan it was like i was getting all grossed out by every it was like absolutely everybody's just a pile of fucking meat (laughs) in the end we are but also interesting that there are so many eggs everywhere. Everybody's eating yeah. them. It's just all over. And then she's pregnant at the end. Well, right? Because, like, <laughs> they go they go see a movie. They're eating eggs. After their first yep. date, they have, like, runny eggs. And then, like, the first time yep. they have sex, he's making eggs in the morning. Yep. What's... <laughs> 
She's obsessed with death, but life is all throughout it. So she's always going to be in a conundrum. She'll never, she'll never be free. She is. And not only that too, she, she took, like, she went like to like the full act of really getting what she wanted, right? Because normally she would go and like, I guess, like dig up corpses and have them like somewhat decompose. But this time she was like, I'm, I'm creating the real thing for me right now. Yep. Super fresh, farm fresh. (laughs) She was like getting the ultimate orgasm. Getting the ultimate thing. So I, the only research that I did for this was one quote from the director because I found it really interesting because Monica I think is so fascinating yeah and he said the thing that people find offensive about Necromantic 2 is that it doesn't accuse Monica accuse Monica so of what really murder in- corpse snatching <laughs> Of almost Grave anything, robbing? I think. Like, she's a sympathetic character. Whereas you would think that uh. a necrophiliac is gross and disturbed and perverse is a word that they use in the movie. And that she's somehow going to be a villain. Yeah, no, I don't see her that way. If I, I just, I see her yeah. very, like, I, yeah, I see her very, like, lost and confused and trying to figure out, like, figure out what she wants. And, like, she, it's almost like I said, like, she's kind of, like, bumbling through it, too. Because, like, at that one point when she was, like, yeah. dismembering the the dead the first dead corpse I'm just like okay your your cha- your um hacksaw is super rusty and I don't think this is really <laughs> doable like you're not like at the set at the I'm like you're not good at disposing a body like no She's definitely not an expert. No, no, right? So it was kind of one of those things that we're, you know, we're like, I'm digging up a body in my high heels and nice dress. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> what I thought about that is because you see her a couple of times kind of like dressed up, like mm-hmm. when she goes to the movies. But like, I feel like the most dressed up she ever is in this film is in that opening scene. She's got her nails painted. She's like, she's got the tights and the skirt and the high heels. Yeah, that is not the outfit that you wear to dig up bodies. Only on your first First date. Um, it, exactly. <laughs> so she dressed up to meet her lover corpse for the first time because then at the very end when she's having her like internal crisis and figuring out what she's actually going to do she's completely dressed down yeah. for she's wearing converse she's wearing jeans she's just like very dressed down and she's trying to figure it out whereas like at the beginning of the movie she's like I know what I want I want this corpse yeah exactly <laughs> exactly yeah she's like yeah I tried doing it with the living it's not it's not for me dude I feel yeah <laughs> <laughs> It's really disappointing often. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, uh, yeah, this movie is interesting too because in the way how long their their courting ritual went and stuff like that, like, I honestly Mm -hmm. forgot what type of movie I was watching. (laughs) Because they would just, it would just go for so long and I'm just like, oh, this is a really interesting German film of some couple falling in love and just having some interesting quirks. And then all of a sudden it was like, corpse. I was like, oh, yes. This is the movie. Yes. I totally forgot. <laughs> Don't forget about the corpse rotting away at home. Right? I was just like, oh, yeah. Especially when you're just mm-hmm. like, oh, no. You, she's like, I'm, you're going to tap out at some point soon. It's not going to get, it's going to get worse. I was like, really? Okay. I forgot. We're watching this. this I forgot. We're in the middle of a taboo terror right now. Yep, deception. Absolutely. European films are deceptive. Uh, yeah. What did you think of it as like just a film to watch? Like necrophilia aside, if you can take that away, think of it objectively. If I could take, okay, yeah. If I could take that away aside and not uh, have that, I guess you would say you call it abject horror. Um, as mm-hmm. a film, I think it's a, I think it's a good film. It raises some interesting questions. It raises some interesting points about uh, femininity, about women's sexuality, you know, an independent mm-hmm. woman, you know, the whole, like, 
life and death is always intertwined. You're never going to escape it no matter what, right? Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm glad you feel that way. Watching it tonight, I was like, man, yeah, this one's really fucking interesting. Like, I love both of them. I like the first one more just because it's way grosser. But also just, it's just a little, I feel like a little bit more artfully done. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Necromantic 2 is a bit too long. Like, there's a lot oh, of yeah. scenes that just like go on for too yeah, long. Yeah. Like, you don't need to be an hour and 40 minutes. Like, you could have been like a cool, like, eight. 80 minutes and that probably would have been better but I think I can understand the importance of almost dragging on their courtship because there's like we have to show you how important it is that she's trying so hard and look how normal this is and this is fun like this is you can be happy this is okay you can do this Mm -hmm. but she can't yeah um so I like I get that but it was was like it's like the pacing is a little a little off I think sometimes no I agree with you that like there are points where I'm just like this is too long yeah yeah. Some of the scenes. But obviously <laughs> the scenes at the course they have to like draw out of the scenes where she's making out with a corpse and screwing it. I'm oh, just like, yeah. mm, no, no, too many, too many <laughs> wet sounds are happening right now. <laughs> <laughs> corpse is very moist. I can't handle it. I'm like, that corpse is yeah. too solid also. <laughs> um, I'm obsessed with the scores of both of these films. There's a lot of recycling of the score from the first one and the second one, which is fine with me because mm-hmm. I am obsessed with them it brings such like this incredible like sensual yeah. emotional layer to the film and you're like I can't even believe I'm I'm having these feelings right now because I look at the fuck I'm watching like what, what? yeah no they're I, fuck, fucking a corpse but like wow I'm feeling like this is a really erotic scene yeah no I well I don't agree about that point it being erotic but I agree in the sense that the music is good that the soundtrack the the score really adds a sense uh, it, to me I think it adds like a more artistic flair to the film like the whole film is very artistic so and it was interesting and like I said it really is a juxtaposition to those first like 10 minutes where it's like the original film and the first film sorry and it was just like oh that's super gritty okay yeah that would make me feel uncomfortable to watch this and then all of a sudden it changed all this color and super nice and and I was like okay I can I can handle this because I'm like if if it was going to be an hour and 40 minutes of the of the black and white stuff I don't know if I'm sticking around long (laughs) you're like please go to please don't go to color please don't go to color and it's like blood color blood color yeah yeah I was just like ooh like it's the first one all in black and white not all of it okay but most of it is because like I could not handle if like yeah I couldn't no I couldn't even handle like the first black and white minutes like I couldn't handle it that in color like the just that scene itself in color no yeah like the fl- you see the flashback of the because we do get a glimpse of the woman from the first film and her flashback is in black and white because the film is essentially all in black and white yeah. so yeah the first one is it's dirtier there's like a lot of bathing and like a bloodied tub from the corpse and like it's it's quite Ugh. gross it's very gross even though Monica loves to fuck corpses she keeps a very clean oh home. she sterilizes it <laughs> she was she was I don't know she was like bathing yes. the bathing him in some kind yep. of like solution and keeping lilacs. Yeah, it's like a milky fluid. Yeah, yeah. And she was like yeah. keeping like beautiful flowers around to keep the smell nice. Oh yeah, she was just like, she's like, yeah. she was creating herself a little boyfriend experience. Like, you know, she's like, okay, you know, Absolutely. boyfriend's at home waiting for me on my couch and stuff like that. Yeah. He doesn't talk. He's all, it's perfect. It's the perfect boyfriend. <laughs> the perfect boyfriend. God, I feel like I'm in Monica like more and more. Yeah, and then she had like this they also, horrible like, breakup. Brutally kill a cat in the first movie. Uh, oh no. Yeah, yeah, it's very fake, but uh, yes, it's, yeah, cat, a cat dies. No, I'm not okay with that. <laughs> 
No, no. Okay, should we talk about our final thoughts? Uh, yeah. Um, what-, <laughs> <laughs> what are your final thoughts, Jess, after seeing Necromantic 2 for the very first time? I will not be returning to it anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> That was interesting. That I could definitely see where it has its place. I'm super curious as to why it would have been um, seized after 12 days. Um, For glorifying violence. But there's like barely any violence until the end. I know. Very strict, strict over in Germany in the 90s. Okay, yeah, that would make sense. But yeah, final thoughts. Yeah, um... I, I don't I, I like I literally don't know what to say like in the sense of just like it was an interesting film. I don't know what to say if I'm glad I saw it. I don't know. I'm very conflicted right now. <laughs> it's okay to say that. You it's okay to say that. I'm glad you saw it. I'm so happy I was able to show it to you. <laughs> like, I, like yeah, there's just this part of me it's just like I guess now I, I I can say that I've seen it and I can be like, "Yes, I've seen it." And then people be like, "Oh, have you seen the first one?" <laughs> no, never planned to because I saw the second one. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Fist pump. <laughs> I saw it. <laughs> High five. High five. Pat on the back. <laughs> my final thoughts are, oh, what are my final thoughts? I don't know. I love these films. They're, I find them fascinating and I'm really interested in them. And I love these real life horrors and taboo subjects. Um, so many people talk about regular horror films and nobody really talks about these films very much and I think that they deserve to be talked about. There's a lot going on in a lot of these films, um, mainly just like taboo terrorist films, extreme horror films. You know, the the social commentary, I feel like that we get in a lot of regular, I'm going to say regular, yeah. you know, in quotes, regular horror movies, I think are like, they're still very polished. Yeah, so the social commentary that you can find in a lot of, like, regular, quote, horror films, I feel like you can get in extreme horror films. You can also get even more out of them. But, like I said before, if you can wade past all the guts and the gore and the violence and the craziness, I think that it's very rewarding because there's a lot that can be said through this medium. So, love Necromantic. I love these films so much. I own both of them, and I am looking forward to going back to the special features on this disc because I have a special edition DVD and I have the soundtrack and tons of special features. So that's what I will be watching tomorrow. That's amazing. <laughs> well, I will kind of like add a little bit tomorrow to my final thoughts. I will agree with you that with in the sense, like as I'll even say, like at the beginning of this film, like I feel uncomfortable and that's actually something that's good. And that's something I, I feel very strongly about horror films in the sense that they should make people feel uncomfortable. So you start thinking about the things that you're seeing in front of you. And that was why it was like, as we were watching the film and I was like oh I can see some things are being said I can see some subtle hits hints to social commentaries and stuff like that it's just it's more in my face because it's making me feel uncomfortable because the subject is uncomfortable and that's kind of what horror is like yeah absolutely it's very confronting Mm -hmm. yeah exactly yep okay (laughs) so that was episode two of disturbing films for a curious mind Hey, Jess, will you come back and talk more extreme horror with me? Yes. I guess we're just going to have to wait and see, folks. So, listeners, forward along any recommendations that you have for Jess and I. But until next time, stay grim. Love of the dead. It was like fucking the dead. Love in you was like.